0: Welcome to Lady Blurred's Singing Hello. the Blues. Welcome again. We are a podcast where three beautiful, full-figured, talented Black women talk about their experiences and perspectives moving through this world. I am proud as a testament. We also have my co-hosts.
1: Sometimes V here, uh, hailing on a nice Sunday morning, and... Kylie, too smart. Hi, hi.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: It is so, a lovely Sunday morning. It is a lovely <laughs> Sunday morning. Yeah. So, we are coming back from the Thanksgiving holiday. So, as much as I'm not really about actual Thanksgiving or actual Black Friday, I just want to say I'm thankful, thankful to those who are listening here. I'm thankful to Kylie who might be on the recording on the other side of my hands. (laughs) Thankful (laughs) to Prowris as well. So I'm thankful for everything that has been going on the last few weeks. Um, I did some traveling, saw some family. It's been great. So it's just great that, you know, Thanksgiving has become this holiday where we see family and we manifest it into family traditions. So it's great. So going into that, I guess we should talk about how's our week. So let's start with um, some Kylie how was your week
2: (laughs) my week has been um amazing it was really one that um allowed me to appreciate the amount of growth that i've had personally in my life and um i think like we all have an idea of who we want to be how we want to present ourselves when we're growing up um and just the people that we want to emulate. And Thanksgiving was one of those moments that kind of hit home for me because I I realized that like, oh, like now I'm that person. Like I'm the house that everyone comes to. It's like my friend's kids were there. I was like, you know, she's in the service and she never gets any rest. And like, she just had time to sleep. And it was just like knowing that her kids had somewhere safe to be on Thanksgiving. And they made a cute they made the cutest like turkey vegetable trays like set up and were just like gems to have wash dishes like oh, they're just so precious. I love them oodles, oodles, oodles. Um, So I was like, we had the kids there, you know, all the family you had friends coming through. Um, and I was just like, okay, making sure all the food's getting out on time. it's on the table. We're
1: orchestrating things. we're fussing at people. <laughs> Is this this the first Thanksgiving in your new house? Yes,
2: the first Thanksgiving. Listen,
1: for real, like I love, I mean, we keep talking about this on the on the podcast, how like I got a house too. (laughs) We gotta fix the house too. Yeah, I have Thanksgiving at my house. And I'm like, this is awesome. No, for real, and now you get to have your own traditions and like sustain them and evolve them and it's great. Like, I'm so happy for you. I'm, right. I'm jealous. I'm like, kindly jealous where I'm not going like, how dare she get a house. I'm more like, I'm so happy for you. I want that for me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. And then, um, so it was like blessings on blessings. So we had like two turkeys. I did a, I smash cocked a turkey
1: for the first time, which was really cool. Like you
2: flatten it out and it cooks all fast.
1: Yeah, that um, looks like so that such was, an efficient way to cook a turkey, by the way. I've seen people doing it. I'm like, wait, how come my family didn't do this? It took like an hour. Like, <laughs> And then we had one turkey like, for
2: people to kind of like nibble and nosh on throughout the day while things were getting prepared and put together. So that was like, yeah, I'm so right? like, very happy about that. Um, and then yeah. on Saturday, we did a vegan Friendsgiving, which I didn't know. Well, I didn't know what to expect at all. I was expecting slabs of tofu, honestly. Like, <laughs> I really was.
1: Slabs of know. bacon I used tofu. Just, like,
2: salad? Just like... <laughs> salad and <so> tofu. Which <laughs> oh is not God. what I, what, it's not what happened at all. There were,
1: like... You're no, so insensitive to the vegans.
2: <laughs> complex, tasty, delicious, delicious food. Um, mm-hmm. There was, like, stuffed curry deltada squash. There was... Um, so I didn't know, like just because I'm not vegan so there's all these things I just don't know right but like vegan sour cream doctored up with like herbs and things and it was like really good and they have like vegan butter was also doctored up and was really good oh, um yeah. there's just like all kinds of oh my god portobello mushroom
1: steaks mm. <sighs> yeah everything was so I good love I love portobello like, I mushroom if if it's like not watery. Like. It was
2: not watery. It was well seasoned. It was like it was giving it was everything it, it was supposed to have given, everything it was supposed to have gave. Give it giveth. It giveth to us all. Yeah. So I could totally eat vegan if it was like that all the time. My aunt made like a chocolate loaf with some kind of like delicious glaze. Oh. It was. This it was like amazing. Fancy
0: vegan.
2: <laughs> it was fancy vegans, and then we oh, we had mm, guacamole and some veggie tray things, bell peppers, all kinds of different stuff.
0: But Yummy.
1: Whew, there were some- The cl- thing I miss dishes. about veganism is like the ways that you can just have food and get creative mm-hmm. with your food and find the different ways to embrace substance. Like, and when I say substitutes, away from like the traditional like meat eater norm, right? So yeah. it's great when you can have like, you know, portobello mushroom steaks, or you know what I really loved making? I loved making like, portobello mushroom like stuffed the stuffed kind where it's like you put in your vegan cheese you put in this like really good like tofu bacon on there and then also you add in just like all the different herbs and like spices and then like once you cook it 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 comes out and like "Mm, it's delicious i had to find out i had to figure out a way to not make it watery though because that's the only thing that drove me nuts about portobello mushrooms is that they get watery and so it was just a lot of like salt and having to roast it and having to kind of pat it and then putting it back in the oven again it was a cycle for me
2: (laughs) that is like something i did learn to appreciate i was like vegan like real dishes dishes like they take preparation time forethought like you really have like you're not just gonna throw it together if you're just not already like in the vegan lifestyle and have things prepared so like I appreciated it a lot, yeah. That's
1: great. Well, that was lovely. I'm glad that things are just manifesting and coming mm-hmm. along. I love hearing that things are just popping at, at that new house in you saw I know,
0: it's awesome, but yeah. You're, I can't you're, wait you're,
1: to have a Lady Blurred's party there.
0: <laughs> right, yeah.
2: eventually this room will be all feng shui. We'll get some lighting,
1: we'll uh-huh. get some
2: lighting. Cause I, it does feel extra spooky in here right now um i'm still rocking the spooky gear but also it's nightmare before christmas and it's officially like countdown to christmas so here
1: Yay! we go spooky christmas time spooky christmas time let's go <laughs> how was your week prowess
0: um pretty good i so this week was for me i think mostly like a it's been an interesting week because i've been um kind of wrapping up my job and um moving into a new role and, and all of those kinds of things and uh and then, surprisingly, got I, like You a, got the
1: new job? I'm sorry.
0: Oh, yes, I did. I, I did update. Yes, yeah, so I got the new job, um, which is awesome. Yes! For, for people that Let's don't know, go. The job is in Santa Cruz, which is very close to uh, yes. my girls. So yes. um, I'm excited about it. Um, the the hard part is that my job did a counter, and so this is my first time navigating that. I. I realize how difficult, there's a lot of uh, resources out there for women navigating negotiations for like salaries and and raises. There's not a lot of resources, which I just realized the dearth of one, but we we don't have a lot of stuff out there to help you manage and navigate the counteroffer process, which you know, you really have to have to then say, what is the acceptable kind of offer um my my job is giving me an attractive offer but you know we always have to question as women right like at this point if you didn't see me in this way before although they argue that oh we we always saw you as a leader and we knew that that was what we wanted to do and we were going to eventually do this but as a woman you have to almost ask yourself like is that true um Because if not, then why wait this long? And it's like, it it wouldn't have, the balance wouldn't have been upset if I didn't say anything, right? And so it's still a thing of like, sometimes you have to go to grow. Um,
1: Yeah, I actually wanted to chime in there too, real quick. There's also been a lot of stories where places of occupation, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not assuming that your place, like your old place was going to do this, but you never know where the counter offer will happen. And then it sounds really attractive. You're like, "Mm, I already established some foundation. I'm feeling very comfortable. Maybe I will take that counter offer because it's definitely a bonus to what I'm making now. Right. Right. Then what will happen is that they don't follow through. And so, and that's the thing where like, they'll make you look stupid by saying like, oh, I took the counter offer, whatever, but thank you so much for considering me, blah, blah, blah. But then when you go back, they're like, oh, we're going to just drag our feet with what we promised.
0: Yes. and so that happens a
1: lot
0: that is something that to consider because right it's sort of like you're in the role one of the things i think that happens when you're when you stay in an organization is you're then responsible for replacing yourself and so that is a fear for me because i'm like you know what it took them a long time to find me um to replace my replacement who also moved up the chain so she's in a in a senior leadership position Um, and has sort of moved up in a a short time. And I think it's just the notion of like being in this market, it's just a lot of growth that that is happening. Um, And it's easy to kind of, you know, they found me, but I, you know, my my assumption is that if as long as it took you to find me, you will find someone. But at the same time, I don't want to stop my growth because I don't want to, you know, because I'm fearful, like you said, because I want to be comfortable. So I'm like challenging myself on that notion across the board to be like where other, you know, other places I've been comfortable a lot in my life and just kind of confronting that. Um, I think this whole entire experience has just made me think about like, where else can I shuffle the feathers a little bit and be able to say like, okay, it's time to step out and do something different. Cause I, you know, it's, it's more for me, like teaching my son, I often will tell him like, you're not going to be good at everything. Some things are a muscle that you yeah. have to work at, right? Like he has a natural aptitude and stuff. When he doesn't, when it's not like something that's easy for him, he's just like, I don't like to do it, but it's like, but you may, but when you work at it, because you, you know, you get that. So for me, I'm putting that, that same kind of mentality in my approach to things now, which is just kind of an interesting learned lesson out of all of this
1: so absolutely yeah no and i i think that's for the best and what's crazy about that is now that you're i'm glad that we're entering we're into a generation where we can move along like that where like the generations yeah. before us like they were too scared to make moves like that yes. because of not being able to find the correct um opportunities or the opportunities were a little bit sketch and shy um yes so yeah no i feel for you because like trust like once i feel discomfort and once i feel that i'm being taken advantage of from another place like i will start looking and that's just and that's just something that keeps managers and supervisors and those who are looking at the company as an overarching whole like need to consider because it's like sure we got this person for a good deal yeah. but how much of it is going to be a good deal when your turnover rate becomes really high because right. you're mistreating them and not giving them what their value is
0: right exactly or and sustaining like toxicity
1: that, with other people like that's something that i had to battle a lot but yes, that's a whole different conversation
0: no it's a, it well yeah it, we it, it's something that we would have to, we should dive into it at a different time because like i said there's not a lot of things about the the great resignation and how it impacts women and what our experience is versus everyone else, because there's so much to the imposter syndrome and all the things that set in as you're like looking for another opportunity um, and when's the right time. And my dad would always argue, I'm looking for a job as soon as I get a job. And and for me, I'm like, what, you know, (laughs) but it makes sense. It's like, you should be, you should be thinking of what is next, or is this something that's long-term and will be next? But what is it that you, you know, start your job with thinking about what's your your future path um, and is this going to help you get there?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I can I can vent on on this subject so much because of like the different environments that I've had to endure and people mm-hmm. look at looking at me like I'm a failure. That's the thing that gets me is like when I put in my whatever day's notice, people are looking at me like I'm a failure. Like I failed them. And it's like, no, but let's reverse the table here. You failed me.
0: Right. Exactly. You failed me.
1: You should have given me the resources. You shouldn't have been more informative. You should have have given me the security to feel like I can succeed at this job. Absolutely. and that's the thing that they try to get it backwards. Like, I remember I had an HR person tell me like, don't ever put in a three day notice. I'm like, why? Why shouldn't
0: why? I? what did they say? Why, why not?
1: Why not? You guys should have been prepared. You guys acted like you knew everything. And now that you're scrambling for all of my resources.
0: Yeah, it's like, to be honest, I think the great resignation has uncovered a lot of the, for me, like, Gen Z has changed the way that business is done because yeah, if you're not getting your, your your some people are ghosting between the interview and starting their first day, they're yep. just not even coming, which is yep. like a yep. new thing because that has always been like taboo. You take a role, you sign an offer letter, you go through onboarding, and you're like, I'm just not going to show up. I found something better. Um, people are doing it. These jobs have to be, you know, uh, unrelenting to make sure that like your we want you, we want you to be here. And it has to be, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was just funny, that interaction. They're like, you're screwing your reputation and people remember that. I'm like, great, so people remember that and they should treat me better once they they invite (laughs) me into this new role. (laughs) If you wanted more integrity from me, which I given you the decency of integrity, you should have treated me better the whole time, regarded me the whole time and taking me serious. The whole time so now yeah. here i am taking appropriate steps to leave sorry exactly. i didn't mean to make it about me i just get so heated
0: no, <laughs> yeah. get so heated. thank you for all of that because it, it's something that needs to be said like i said there's not a lot of a ton of like open conversations about this like i went and did a search and there's like a lot of like really stale resources out there for navigating this process
1: I'm always the leave your job, like cheerleader. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> leave your job, sis.
1: <laughs> I'm always the mom. person where if I hear a new, <laughs> yeah. a new role somewhere else, like I'll text somebody being like, you want to apply?
0: <laughs> it's Yeah, yeah.
1: But no, for reals, kudos to you. Congratulations. You. Now Thank you get you to see so beautiful California every so I often. Know. Oh my yeah. gosh, I was
0: like, now we get to see her? <laughs> in person it's gonna be like, awesome yeah i feel like that is the same the best of the job oh. i mean that i get to like my my uh the person i report to is like the they don't have an executive director they have a deputy director he's from san jose so it's like it just felt right you know what i mean when you were when i'm applying for the job i was like oh my gosh how much more could this go right like there there's nothing that's a coincidence i believe
1: yeah <laughs> This is awesome! Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you, Thank and you. Kylie like super close to <laughs> Santa Cruz. I think she's closer to Santa Cruz than I am, but
2: I say oh, that because yeah. I'm
1: scared of driving Highway 17. <laughs> gosh, I, hate
2: I hate Highway 17, highway 17 with a passion. All day. <laughs> it
1: oh, is all right. like a little roller coaster up there. Like. Yeah, when, it I, is. when
0: I come, Kylie, I'll call you so you can drive me because I'm not, yeah.
1: <laughs> Lady Blur then their beach day. Lady yes. Blur Beach Day. Let's Lady Blur's go, go.
0: Live <laughs> from the beach. Oh my god that's gonna
1: be awesome. Oh <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. All right. It's, um Kylie, I'll it go it's ahead. So. It's, you, you that? shared
0: your week, V. You haven't shared yours, so
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um I had the honor and opportunity to tra- do some traveling. So I'm very field, traveled field. Um, I'm having a good time. I don't know if I t- said this on the last podcast, but I just got back from Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a magic, the gathering tournament out there. I didn't participate, but my boyfriend sure did. And he yeah. played his ass off on the first yeah. day. So he's he's did really well and then the second day he didn't do so well so i give him like 50 50 like i mean this is a guy who claims that he was like the i guess the guy who had the most one streak for like two years in a row back in 2015. um so oh, nice. he was yeah this guy's a monster like he plays oh, magic yeah, and he's like curious. he's there talking to me in a different language i'm like babe <laughs> please i don't you're speaking french and i'm i'm speaking english like like, I I see the passion in his eyes and the passion in his voice, and I'm like, I don't understand you. <laughs> <du fromage. Yeah. laughs> Basically, it's like, omelette du fromage, and the omelette du fromage, and the omelette du fromage,
0: and the the No and the gathering. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: No say. Anyway, um, yeah, so he did that and I traveled with him. I got to see some family. Um, I also got to see friend of the show, Devane Peterson. Uh, He was out there rocking a anime convention out there. So that was cool. Um, And also kudos to this vendor named King Kuma, who I got this like really sweet looking um, Lizzo keychain. Out of all the vendors, by the way, like the vendors do all these like really top-notch, or not top-notch, mainstream like keychains and yeah. they're like different vendor spaces. And I was like, okay, that's nice. Like, that's something that I've seen. We you have it up. on you? Yes. Yes. Or you, or whip it out girl, whip it.
0: Whip yeah. it or out. Give, give me a second. Post, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we got to see the Lizzo keychain now, right? right? We
2: <laughs> must see the Lizzo keychain <laughs>
0: Cause I will go <laughs> and I will buy one today for a Christmas gift for
2: Jose's <laughs> immediately. I love all of her costuming. I feel all like all of
0: her costuming is the it, it, she gets it right. I think what it is people will complain that she's right. not the best dress, but
1: look at our Bob Queen. Look at her. <gasps> oh she is so I fine.
0: Love.
1: Look she at her. Is so fine. So
0: fine. Oh my
1: god, my virtual makeup is going on her face. <laughs> That's super cute.
0: <laughs> it is so adorable. I love
1: yeah. that. It's from her fitness video. And I was like, I went to this vendor and it was a black boy and I'm like, of course, support. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was looking on the wall and I saw that he had a collection of Hades keychains. And Hades is like this really cool like indie game. If anyone hasn't played it yet, please go play it. It's great. It's a rogue style mm-hmm. game with yeah. a story every time you die. It's awesome. Um, so I saw that and I'm like, oh this is so cute, I want a little Zagreus, I want a little Hades and they were just so adorable, like little chibi style and then my eyes pan over to the left side and then I look really hard at this like little full-figured queen and I'm like, oh my lord, I screamed, I'm like, is that Lizzo? And he goes, yes it's Lizzo. Please. like I almost started crying I'm like I don't usually get emotional over keychains but I've never seen a Lizzo keychain at an anime convention and this warms my heart yeah and he like laughed I'm like what and I was just like Spilling out questions. I sound like an idiot, but I was like spilling out questions. I'm like, where did you get? I mean, when was the last concert you saw? There's a concert on the New Year's in Vegas. The concert. When's the last time you saw Niel? You know, just Niel. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. He's like, uh, I saw her a while ago. I definitely saw her pre-pandemic, and like we were just kind of going back and forth. And then like at one point, I felt like the interaction got awkward. I'm like, I love you. I want you at MagWest, and so like I immediately got their information and I put them in the gauntlet for like the next year's MagWest for them to for that vendor to come and sell their stuff because it was awesome. so tier good. It was good, yes. and also I they had, had like little keychain style. styles.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they had Tear kitchen good. styles that were like. 3d so like it was like really thick keychains where like you can see things move around in them so that was also really cool uh but yeah king kuma on on uh, i think on instagram as well as uh twitter so if you go go look them up please support their stuff because it's so good it's 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 the best like keychains i've seen so far um but yeah like i love i just love her she's just (laughs) my my baby (laughs) Wait, the big sis—that's who she is, because she is older than me. She is—I think she's older than us.
0: <laughs> she, she is, um, God, despite like age, she's also just um, super wise. <laughs> like she's older than ever. Melissa <laughs> uh, was so super wise. It's like, oh, the wisdom that I get from from patron saint Melissa. I, I love did her. Saint Melissa
1: Jefferson. <laughs>
0: patron saint <laughs> just add to it just put it on her her other put side. It on a candle yeah.
1: yes <laughs> yes we
0: need a oh. candle oh, oh my, my god,
1: god. <laughs> oh my god no you you just said a thing kylie now i'm going on the internet real quick how to make custom candles
0: prayer candles we need a, a custom pr- i bet there's a Lizzo prayer candle there has to be
1: oh my god please please (laughs) tell me i can make one you guys
2: do not understand the fandom with this woman like
1: wait i'm trying to see if there's a way to make a custom prayer candle oh they're they're expensive literally we are
0: recording (laughs) we gotta be we gotta make it happen we are going to make a custom prayer candle i will i will pitch in to make this happen
1: okay so there's a kamala harris pillar prayer pillar candle. So if there's a Kamala Harris version, then we need to have a Lizzo version. We can make yeah. it work. And yeah. she had that rumors video where she looked like a goddess. And she also um, had another then- video where she looked like a goddess too. Which one was that one? It was, it had Gabby, that that fashion icon, Lizzo music videos. I'm like blanking on the, on the video. What was it? It wasn't Truth Hurts. It was... Uh, i'm like blinking on it it wasn't
0: good as hell because that one is not
1: was it water i'm like now it's messing me up
0: because i'm like i don't think i've seen her costume i have to remember what her costumes look like i'm to be like wait a second what what is she wearing in this video Uh-oh. We'll we'll
1: remember soon and we'll like look it up. But yeah, she looks like a goddess a few times in her in her music videos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And never forget the Blurred Queen herself has also done a set in the Sailor Moon Garb. Never forget. Yes.
0: yes.
1: Yes. But yeah, that was a portion of how my week went. I did go to Vegas. I did have Thanksgiving with the family and SoCal and that was fun. Um, my uncle who introduced me to video games, I got a Monoculus. And so he's having some fun with that. Um, he was like, man, you about to take me out of retirement. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was like super excited for that. We had pretty good food. Um, the Brussels sprouts thing is cracking me up because for some reason I've never seen Brussels sprouts as a Thanksgiving item until this mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Like my cousin made some. Like you were talking about uh, Brussels sprouts uh, prior to yeah. this a little while ago. And I've been seeing everybody's like plates, like their Thanksgiving plates that they post and I keep seeing Brussels sprouts. I'm like, where did that, where did that surface?
0: I don't know. I feel like it replaced for us. So we typically do like, A a, some kind of greens whether they're mustard greens or collard greens or whatever and then we do like another green um and so green bean is just like i'm kind of it's such a i guess a standard vegetable i'm not like i'm not into like dressing it as a casserole and i just really like wanted something roasted and um and i feel like brussels have become it's it's got to be the new uh the new uh thing for for a lot of people who are adding it to their to their spreads because it's like I've had more Brussels sprouts this year just going out, right? That there's like I will do it as an appetizer. Um, there's grilled, there's roasted, there's sauteed. There's it's just the new favorite veg. I feel like for a lot of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And Brussels sprouts, I mean, they're they've always been good. Like I used to <laughs> I used to saute them with like bacon.
0: Yeah, yummy.
1: Yeah, so that was like really really good. My mom used to do that a while back ago. Might take out the nutrients of it, but it was still <laughs> I
0: put It'd a little maple good. sugar and honey on mine, like a little uh, a little bit of um, of uh, raw like uh, turbinado sugar and then a little bit of honey, raw honey. And it's like it makes it gives it a sweet taste but without being overly sweet, just a little touch. Yeah.
2: I like to go the spicy route and get that like goju jang. Make like a yummy roasted Brussels sprout gochujang,
1: yeah dish. Mm. Mm-hmm. Found the music video, guys. It's excuse me.
0: Oh, excuse oh yeah. Excuse okay. me. I'm, I'm thinking of her garb in that. Yes. Okay, because she yeah. has on a head. She has on a, a crown or some kind of tiara or something. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a that's a good song too. That was like yeah. I think one of her old ones. It's like a called.
0: very mermaid type of look. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really love how she had the church up in that vi- music video, too.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. She had church. <laughs> she had church. She, <laughs> she had a little segment in her Coconut Oil uh, EP, like, at the end, where it's, like, you hear her doing, like, some church inspo, which was really good. I, I, it fit in perfectly. I'm like, ah, that's where she gets the voice from. Yes. Well, church.
0: Yeah. After hearing the holy, I I don't know if anybody watches Blind Spotting. I just watched it uh, this this week. But anyway, um, the holy the holy spirit was the sex oh, worker. The holy sex worker on there, and she's like, "Catch the holy spirit." I got it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lad. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh no. <laughs> That gave me everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I get the Holy Spirit a lot. Yeah. That on this fine way. Sunday.
1: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> wait,
2: wait. it's a whole different arena. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> the Holy Spirit.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving along, let's go ahead and go into celebrating us. Our celebrating us segment is a little bit, it's a little, um, not, how would I put this? It's great that it's becoming more, more up to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That people are now realizing that there is a a discrepancy of like who's being prioritized with missing Mm -hmm. cases of black women. Um, But at the same time, we're just lucky that we always have black women doing the work to make sure that, cases of missing Black people and Black women are coming to the table instead of disregarded. And so, Pryoris, you want to kind of dive
0: into that? Yeah, I think... um... This is really rooted in recently HBO um, revealed this Black and Missing series, um, b- which is led by longtime journalists. And I-, I would even say she's an activist, Soledad O'Brien. Um, it's a four part series um, that uh, focuses on the Black and Missing Foundation, which is actually a Maryland based nonprofit that was started by these two Black women, um, kind of dedicated to helping police. And the media, um, where, where the media and police sort of fall short, I should say, helping to provide, amplify a lot of those missing cases. Um, so they amplify, for instance, Jelani Day's case um, when that came out and there wasn't a lot of media attention and people just didn't know what happened. Um, and what they've been doing, I believe that the two, um, the two uh, women who own it are also former like PR and police officers. Um, mm-hmm. So they are really tenacious with their their skills and you know, their crusade to bring more attention to missing non-white people. And I think it's it's interesting when the whole Brian laundry situation happened and there was so much media attention, right? When there's an attractive um, white woman who was missing, Um, and just what that and an attractive being, a you know, a a nominal term, but the fact that there's Uh, a a white woman missing and how that is viewed in the press and the media versus the striking difference of when there's someone, um, who's a people of a person of color and how, how we're treated in the media. Um, and that our cases, I learned take four times longer to resolve, um, and that extra time makes the investigation more difficult because if, you know, most cases, if, when they're resolved within a shorter window, you're more likely to have a successful um, end, uh, end result. Um, and so it's sort of this ignoring that has happened and we're trying to curb, right? Missing white women's syndrome, which we know was, was coined now. Um, a lot of people are angry about this, you know, sort of underrepresentation and under-coverage um, in the news, especially when it's your local news outlets that are covering national, um, when it's covering Gabby Potato and not like someone in your backyard who's been missing for two weeks. And like that takes full, full uh, takes all the profile uh, of their resources to, to showcase that. So this yeah. series I thought was really important to share for us, just to remember, right, PBS is um, sort of putting money behind it, but it is an HBO miniseries. The first part is already aired. Um, and it's a, it airs weekly. So even if you get a chance to just catch, you know, catch it in the replay, um, definitely try and check it out. I think just to highlight and bring significance to, to our stories and where law enforcement is missing out this critical, which we know 48 hour period following someone's disappearance.
1: Yeah. I wanted to chime in on that real quick because I yes. have noticed like the differences, right? Where the uh-huh disregard for black women in general yeah. with law enforcement, the disregard of society, the 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 assumptions of like oh she'll come back she's just probably like out and about and whatever like there's this assumption like of like there's nothing wrong here especially with yeah. black women um or like you know we're <sighs> like stereotypically, it's always one of those things like, of course, they're going to get kidnapped and of course, they're going to be a sex worker. or Of course, they're going to they're going to be held hostage. Or, of course, like they just probably ran off with some like some random black guy because of love, like or they're making babies somewhere like there's always all these stereotypes that dilute the seriousness of a situation. And so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Natalie and Derica Wilson like brought this up to the table and said, no, this is an issue. Like these are like w- like children, young women, pre right. but also like women of like who are older and who are who who are just like randomly snatched up for what? Um, and also there's always been a history of like, you know, black women just being snatched up and being tortured and like, you know, name it, name it all. But um the fact that it's just like dismissed or it's like whatever, like law enforcement. So- law enforcement does this thing where it's like, oh, it hasn't been enough time for you to make this report. So it's not as important, but it's like, usually people will make reports if it's something that's out of character of somebody, typically out of character of somebody's um, personality or behaviors. And so that's something that really irks me because it's like, yeah, sure, like sometimes people disappear because of whatever personal reasons, but also people disappear because maybe not personal reasons. Um, Someone intervened and snatched them up. And so I just get upset over that. And especially with like black women in particular, like Kristen Smart, who was a white woman who disappeared back, I think in the um, nineties, the whole case was reprised um, in this, in your backyard uh, podcast. Uh, and it's a very well thought podcast. Like it's very well structured. The guy who did all the interviews, like did the right moves for like interventions and like just making sure like he contacted the right people to get the story. And like, now the case is being like reopened again. And now that this guy is actually being taken to trial to figure out what happened to this girl. Yeah. However, I wish this guy would actually do this for a lot of black women instead of this random white girl from SoCal who, who like, and don't get me wrong. All families need that resolution, right? They need to know where their kids went. They need to know where their spouses have gone. They need to know, but it's just the fact that like the focus was on this white girl, which great, like congrats to the family who might find some glint of justice to their dead daughter. Mm but. What about the black women that are often disregarded? You know, and it's and this just sucks. Um, like, we can even take this to another degree about the R. Kelly situation. Like, where a lot of those women were not taken seriously.
0: Exactly. And
2: I think it's it's not so much even like the disregard as much as it it's the system is not broken. The system is functioning how it is meant to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it is this um, open season, right? This this um, not spoken about, but well-known rule that these people are okay to target and that it is something that they are deserving of, right? So this victim blaming where it's just like, you don't even actually really need a reason. It's just acceptable. It's fine. It's okay, right? And so going through this movement of all of us collectively now being like, It's not okay. We're going to start burning shit down. Like, don't don't (laughs) poke with us. (laughs) We've had it. (laughs) We are done. (laughs) Don't do it anymore. Uh, but we're we are even starting to call out um how trials are being named, right? Because you see Uh there's black victims. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden now it's they're naming this trial after the victim when the victim is not on trial, they did nothing wrong this person exactly. was murdered why is it when it's a black person oh it's this person's <laughs> trial like, this person is not on trial they were the victim you need to start putting that this blame person's about, this person's dead this yeah. person is dead you need to put the blame back where it belongs and start criminalizing these behaviors against I never
0: thought about that oh my gosh yes. yes
2: it's it's so i think about it all the time like this double speak i don't know if it george orwell We all read about that back in the day, right? Big Brother's watching you. The system is working. Um, But this doublespeak where subtly um, you start changing options and manipulating um, what society will deem acceptable through language, right? That's like the very first thing is how things are presented to you in the media. Mm-hmm. um which then causes you to internalize a lot of these factors so even as a black person reading the news that might not be something that you thought about which is what you just said right like i didn't yeah, really think I, about absolutely it. it's not something that you're aware yeah. of until someone says oh hey did you notice this really sus and disturbing as and soon as you pattern? said it
0: i thought to myself oh my gosh it's the jacob blake trial it's the ahmaud aubrey trial it's not no no these these folks are not even yeah yeah, yeah. Cause
1: it, these will get jotted down in history and then it will be diluted incorrectly. Like it, it's yeah. just, or it will be, it will be named incorrectly. Like some poor kid in history class is going to hear about this and they're like, Oh, it's uh, Ahmad did something wrong wrong. Right, and that exactly. uh, changes up the whole narrative. And it doesn't, I can't even in, this is where it takes effect. I can't remember Ahmad Aubrey's killers names. I know what their faces yeah, look like. Same. I don't know same. their names. Like yep. and we got lucky with the George Floyd um, incident where like the Derek Chauvin trial. Yeah. I remember that. Full I remember his name. His
0: name. Yeah.
1: yeah, his but name I'm is not sure going right. to go unmentioned in my mind. Like he's going to yeah. stay. But we did a good job to make sure that we reinforced that. Now I guess the bigger question would be: It's like how. I guess. Same thing with Breonna Taylor. We remember Breonna Taylor's name, but we don't remember the police officer's name. That's also another thing that irks me a lot.
0: Yeah. I don't either. No, that's, that's a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, even, I don't remember the police officers that the police officer that shot, uh, Jacob Blake in this car. I don't remember the police officer that killed, uh, Elijah McClain. Like I don't, those names are just not as publicized as a George Zimmerman, um, or, you know, there's there's so many cases that the victim, yeah, that comes yeah. primary. So I
1: guess it's us trying to find the balance of like, we don't want to, we don't want Black people's names to be buried, right? yeah As another yeah. Black person who's a victim of the system.
0: Yeah.
1: But we also need to make sure that we have a very clear dynamic of remembering the names. And that's mm-hmm. something that I personally want to be better about, and I'm sure you guys are thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so it's just, it's just crazy how that has happened. Like we're, we're working our way towards one way, but we're forgetting the details of the other side. And, and that's okay because like we, we as a community are doing better about surfacing these issues. Um, but in the meantime, it's like, there's still a priority about, about making sure that Black folks are monolithically like stuck together as like a one like force instead of like thinking of them as individuals, as people, as they have families and, and, and friends and careers and investments, <laughs> you know, <laughs> investments might be a little far, but no. <laughs> we don't need yeah. to address it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. I I get upset because I mean, going back to black women it's the same thing. Like the 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 the, the dilution of our importance is real. Like mm-hmm. we we go so above and beyond and yet like we're still like bottom cons- we're still treated as bottom barrel, you know, and that yeah. sucks. It's awful. Like if we talk, oh, yeah. we're like, "Uh, not serious."
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry, Kayla, soft. I thought you were going to say something. Now I was
2: like, mm, mm, we could go on for hours about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: but yeah, there is uh, some
0: opportunity further in this conversation where we'll we'll revisit this with a the different theme. So we we, you know, we will keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, this is kind of like a weird tangent, but I saw um, you guys remember the Black Forager that vegan. That vegan girl is vegan. Ran- yeah. Yes, I love The girl her. who picks up random things off of the. I yeah. saw her in a commercial. The Happy other day.
2: snacking, don't die.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw her in a commercial the other day. Like she was oh. in a commercial for like two seconds. I was like, oh my gosh, my baby's growing up. It was cool. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: cool. I didn't realize, yeah, that she was doing. I- what commercial was it for? Oh, it was for a
1: movie ticket commercial. Um, But oh, she was okay. there. and She said like a couple of lines. And I was like, is that is that a girl? And then I'm like, baby, like I was with Cash. I'm like, that was her, that was her. And he goes, oh shit, that was her. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I, I thought that was like a really cool thing. I don't know. I just like seeing like people off the internet and in actual like TV commercials. Like it excites me.
0: <laughs> yes. I know her. <laughs> I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I know you. I feel like I know her. <laughs> I feel
1: like I know her. All right. Um. So moving along about other uh situations is um do you guys want to talk about appropriation versus cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation or should we wait until that just nerdy segment because it's particular
0: yeah let's wait until the just nerdy but only i'm thinking because there's some other stuff right in, in that section that is like you know okay we, we're going to have a conversation about that um, yes cowboy bebop I think today and- oh, okay oh yeah, oh I
1: see what you're saying okay all right so moving along on uh, some other things um the baby to baby to baby like man I was rooting for him Tiffany I was rooting for you and he yeah. just gets worse every publicity and like it's it's not that it's worse where we're catching him at a bad time it's just worse because he's put himself on the spot like, Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about like, is... Like, is it a
2: bad time? I feel like it's always, like, that's just...
1: I feel like that's just him and his default. And, you know, once... Yeah. We, it's funny because we check people who systematically try to put us at a low, but we also have to check our own people, too. So it's like... Anyway, so... Yeah. The baby went on live and, like, was trying to embarrass his uh, baby mama girlfriend, uh, Danny Lee, Danny Leigh never seen this girl before. She kind of just reminded me of another like influencer type of person. And so like, didn't think like she was like really anything. So, but basically the baby went on online and was like talking about like, I've never even dated you. And she's like in the back being like, okay, sure. That's funny. Like, you know, all this kind of like behavior that you would see this and you're like, "Mm, keep that behind closed doors. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But What's something that I want to address by that is that he had, if they weren't dating, they had a baby. So not the baby, but they had a baby. Like she just Mm -hmm. get like gave birth to his child. Another thing is like, why, if they weren't dating then why is she looking all comfortable in her pajamas, like arguing with him? And to me, like, based off of the other pictures that i've seen like these are just some context clues like if you're looking that comfortable around somebody that is that much of a celebrity you've been seeing that person for a long time like that's just something like I,
2: his family you know what i mean like if, i feel yeah. like if you bring someone home you bring someone home to your family then yeah. there's yeah. clearly not to your a, house that is, yeah i was yeah. like you brought her home when you move, you literally moved her in and now you're like okay i'm tired of you i'm ready for the next one you're trying to ariana grande her thank you next it don't work like that
1: um so i think i just get upset over this because this is not the first time where i've seen guys act like this towards women where they're all up in their space they're all up in their like life and then like out of nowhere they'll publicly tell people we're not together and Mm -hmm. this brings up like this is kind of a trigger for me because I've had been in that situation before where I've been in a situation where I thought I was almost in a relationship with somebody. And then they straight up tell their friends, like, I don't know her. And yeah, it's like, for me, I'm
0: violence. I mean, it is, it's an act of violence. Yeah. And
1: I'm just like, I don't want to be gaslit here. I'm not going to pretend like you laying up on me, you kissing me, you doing all the things to me, me seeing each other naked. Like I'm not, you're going to tell people that nothing's going on. You're not going to tell your friends that like, Hey, I really miss her. Hey, you're not going to tell your friends how you had to call me up at 2am being like, I really miss you. Can you come over? So you're going to tell me that's nothing. And so that's something that men do. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I know that there's probably some women who do, who do that who do that as well, but the one who receives the embarrassment and the public humiliation is usually the women. And so that's something that when I was watching that video, I was getting so heated and so upset because he was trying to put her on like, she was crazy. And that's what happened to me before where they were like, I felt like I was going crazy because of the shitty signals that I was receiving. And so that's something that like, I, I hate because if it's the opposite where the girl's trying to out him, Still, the girl receives most of the "you're crazy bitch," you know.
2: And look, so I just want to say something on this front. So people don't don't just think that we are just like because we are women, we're automatically going to be like it's she's right. La da da. I personally don't like her on a personal level. Yeah, just what like the, some of the, just what she represents, how she um, moves within the, the industry. colorism comments. The colorism, she, the yellow yeah. bone lyrics, like all of this stuff, right? So I understand a lot of people are coming with backlash, like she deserves this. But the thing is that's a public persona, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know her personally. I don't know if this is a gimmick that she's just using to push herself further and make money. And like, mind you, it is a trash, trash ass gimmick. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day i am a feminist which just i am here to support other women on a we'll just take the career portion out of it right on a moral level and just from a feeling as a person as a human being right um in terms of equality and emotional equality emotional equity and relationships I feel like there's this split definitely in responsibilities of what women are expected to shoulder in relationships and the boundaries that women are expected to keep and uphold and the responsibilities that people place on women for the men that are in their lives, right? Because as human beings, like ultimately I cannot be responsible for any choices that my partner makes, Right. right? Yeah, Um, I can look at their behaviors and choose whether or not I want to stay with them. Um, And, you know, splits happen, changes happen, growth happens within relationships. So even from a standpoint of, all right, maybe things are not going well with you guys personally, there's a mature way to handle that. There's a mature way to say, yes, we were together things did not pan out, things did not work out, but we're having a child together, we're gonna to have to co-parent, you're gonna to have to co-parent, you're in the public eye. So the way that you maneuver through your relationships is that much more important because in its example, again, representation matters, right? If nobody is seeing these healthy relationships play out publicly, nobody's seeing a healthy breakup play out publicly. Um, and then because representations of blackness in America do nece- typically, in terms of what the publicity sees, it is hip hop, really. There's not really another um, genre I can think of that highlights black people and black relationships um, mm-hmm. in America as much as like hip hop does. That's the attention, that's where it is, right? It so worth for Jada Pinkett
1: Smith too. Sorry, I'll right. stop. So, I'll like, brother, red <laughs> table.
2: So it's like, we have these we have examples out there. Um, They're highly publicized. Um, It's all messy. It's all dramatic. Mm -hmm. They all have other things that are tied into it, um, influences outside of a personal relationship that people are weighing in on. Um, So, like, that's just something that, like, I consider personally, like, even if I don't like this person on a personal level, on a human being and a human kindness and a human heart level. Yeah. To do that to somebody that is the mother of my child, I feel like is, I think that's a decision that he's going to regret deeply later in life. I feel like this is a conversation that will probably turn up 10 years from now if he's still alive, you know what I mean? If he makes it because tragically, like he's living reckless right now. The way he's
0: moving, yeah. The
2: way he's moving. And we have seen Mm -hmm. so many um, black men in the hip hop industry who were living wild and reckless in their younger days deal with some serious mental health issues deal with suicide deal with drug overdose um deal with just the guilt of going into survival mode and then when once you're in survival mode and you're grinding and you're getting some success and you're getting publicity and you're getting celebrity what happens when those things that are not essential to your actual ability to live and thrive
0: Yeah,
2: mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, when those things are no longer a factor in your life, when you're not sitting here struggling, thinking about money and when you really do have time to consider how you how you are moving
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and yeah. what that is going to That's do in your heart that's real and that is that's yeah. the thing it's the realness right yep so much of what is in celebrity is just veneer and it's fake and we we see it we recognize it it's entertainment yeah what i see happening now is just like these emotional tragedies are still entertainment and they're not we need to stop we need to take ourselves a little more seriously as people as yeah. human beings um yeah and this is like it's not a joke
1: yeah this oh. is a, this is uh, like this display like reinforces other men to act like this within the hip hop community. And that's, and that's the thing that drives me insane is like, it's not the fact that it's just the baby doing this. It's the fact that the baby is kind of a whole umbrella of like how men treat their women and how they get away with it. And also what you're saying, Kylie is like, once the mental health aspects of it come into play because of regret, because of they should have done better and like kids get older and they'll call them out. Right, kids have access to archives of videos of how they're acting now, and will act out on their on their dads. Who these are the same type of men that will say, "You need to respect your elders. I'm your father. I give you everything." And then, but if they see that, they're like, "This is morally wrong. I can't respect you. I can't respect you." And so then they get upset. They're like, "What did I do wrong? I'm the man of this house. Man, the house has nothing to do with it. If your behavior is off, like." your, your credit's gone. Like your credit as being a parent is gone. And I think that's really heartbreaking for a lot of men because like, I've seen men just get like, they just break because, oh my God, I didn't even do this one thing, right. Because of my past actions.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's being that I've gone through this, I've, my son's father, their situation is this and You know, I always like to say in this case, Danny Lee, it's, it's sad because what you realize, sometimes women don't have the resources to even leave. And that's so yeah. important, having support, because the structure, you know, is systemic things around that are also like the way that people view things like, oh, it's just a dispute, like stop being, you know, stop, I- I've heard Shubs, our, our sister Shubs, uh, will always say, right, the word drama, how triggering drama is. Yeah. When people are like, oh, that's that drama. You vocalizing what your experience is, it's not drama. It shouldn't be seen as that. Saying I need help is not drama. Saying, Mm -hmm. you know what, I'm reporting, you know, this experience is not drama. I feel unsafe. I feel uncomfortable. Whatever those words are, are not drama. And we have to, but I feel like there's, she didn't clearly have a place to go. There was nowhere for her to turn and that's family friends whomever and it was like at that time it was like this person's kicking her out of the home with with a baby and what what is next for her you know in terms of what is her next step and there's resources around of what to do but we don't you know how many people are, are looking for resources or viable avenues of recourse for when that happens like your legal rights you know you can't boot somebody from your home in less than 30 days, like all these things, but you also have to, you know, where's the, where's the assistance and, and that kind of thing, knowing how so you ego should,
1: ego yeah. will prevent a lot of, prevents a lot of people from actually yeah. getting the proper outreach that they need, um, yes. or outreaching yeah. for the proper resources that they need, excuse me. Yeah. Um, because I've seen it a lot with even some of my friends where they're in a pickle but they're so trapped in their mind that Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing is the correct move that they're unwilling to look at themselves in the mirror. And that's, what's really sad about that.
0: Yeah. And that's what I, I, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Right. Like I had resources to do something else. I had support from someone to do something else, but what is someone else? You know, I could just be like, I'm leaving. Even if it was in the middle of the night, I had someone there to help me and to get out of that situation um, but, I, but being, I was pregnant, I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't carry anything, you know, and those kinds of things like, where do you do? There's resources for for that. Like you said, it's, it's knowing, having the, I guess, lack of, of pride or the humility maybe to be able to ask for help. And that's such a, a life skill asking for help and sharing that out. But it's also the stigma that's placed on you when you are asking for help, like, oh gosh, you're one of those, um, you know, you happens still, a lot
1: with color women of color too. Yeah. Like, where it's like if we outreach, you're like, oh, another welfare mama. Or exactly. But yeah. for like white women, it's like, oh, let me find you a yoga mat and like let's let's go ahead and meditate through this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's so generalized. That's messed up.
0: Wow. Yeah, how the larger society Ooh. views that aspect of like, because yeah, I was a ashamed. And then right, you feel kind of like, um my my you know reputation or whatever the case is and it's like oh my gosh I had to move out of the middle of the night I remember like going to this new apartment community having to apply and over you know and over holiday weekend I'm by myself I'm pregnant like they're looking at me like uh you know it just everything about it the gaze that's what I'll call it the gaze that you get um that's pointed at you feel so judgmental and you're like I'm also trying to save my life and my baby's life you know and I'm not thinking about that case right now so you know hopefully she she I think got some support but at the in that time it's so hard to figure out where the heck do you go if you can't call family and friends or sometimes you don't even want to call family and friends you don't want to be a burden You're scared to tell them, you know, and so you may have burned your
1: edges there too. Like maybe the behavior of pre having a child has spoken in volumes where maybe you feel like you burned some bridges and it's hard for you to reach out to family and friends. Like that's also a thing to consider
0: as well. Yeah. That's a good point too. It's like, yeah, the whole thing is that that's why it's so sad and why we are having the conversation about it too, is it's like, you know, it's not a bad thing to actually to ask for help, but learning how to look for resources and all of those things is like, it's so important to survival is not just, you know, being able to recognize when something is done is recognizing how to get yourself into a, out of the situation and that it should not be just you doing it by yourself, that it does take a lot of resources to do it.
1: Alrighty. Um, but yeah, I, I guess a weird (laughs) off note is like, I think, I think my weird takeaway to say is like, I mean, really check your behavior and try not to implement what you see as like enables you to be toxic. I, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just, I just get upset when like, when like the overarching theme is like, don't burn your bridges cause you'll really need them. But then there's also the other side of it. It's like, don't implement what you see on TV and what you see on live because that's actually not the correct behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, there's better ways to go about re- resolving or even ending a relationship. And it's okay, here's the other thing. It's okay to end relationships. It's yeah. okay to end them. It's yes. if you feel that there's a stream of bad luck and there's a stream of like poor communication and fighting, fighting your your person it's not healthy fight. Like like this, like this whole is like, Oh, I love a woman who can fight. Or I love, I love it when we argue it's love. I'm like, it's not, it's poor communication. It's, it's not, it's not taking, it's not being comparable in the dynamic that you guys have. Like, yes, there's some sacrifices that you'll have to make when you're engaging with your partner, but arguing with them is not it. Like, it's not healthy and it teaches your kids if your kids are involved with it bad communication skills like yeah they think they can yell their way out of something that doesn't work out in real life no it really does not no that's that's
0: uh, that's my takeaway is that what is i mean when you do have children that for me became a, a change in the temperature of like wait a second is it more important that my child has access to, you know, a bad parent, a toxic parent, a violent parent, or that my child has access to, you know, a, par- a good parent and, and I can be that? There's, there's the stigma about that, right? Like, oh my gosh, well, you're going to take that child out of the home with their, their, uh, with the other parent, but it's like, but that's a toxic, violent home. Yeah. So my how doesn't stand a chance if given, you know, being born into that situation. And the, and the second thing is that, you know, I love that um, I, I shouts to Whitney Harper, aka, uh, she's TIE Fighter on, on um, Twitter, but she has started this whole campaign about call out to bros. And it's been uh, something that has really permeated in nerdcore a little bit. And it should be around everything. Being able to say as a, as a man to another man I'm calling you out the bro culture of being able to say, it's all right, man. You, you know what? Forget that, you know, believing it
1: as do you it's more than that.
0: Yeah. Bros call out your bros, tell them they're wrong. Tell them what's wrong. Tell them what gaslighting looks like. Tell them what, you know, gendered violence looks like. Tell them what intimate, you know, partner violence and intimate partner stalking and all of those things. Tell them what that looks like Um, and tell them when they're wrong and that's okay.
1: When they're talking about bitches and hoes and when bitches are acting like a certain type of way and bitches are doing this, let them know like hey, when you were when you are assigning bitches on a woman, on a woman that you may have been sexually like interested in, it's over, bro. Like you're that's toxic enough and you need to change your ways. Like Absolutely. yeah. Call call your homies out when they're acting like this. Yeah. For real, especially the ones who are are in like shitty relationships, have like bunch of women who they had babies with and for some reason are not present the whole last time. Like call them out and say, like, hey, dude,
0: like Like, I know you're suffering, but we gotta do better. You got three children and live with none of them. There's something wrong with you, bro. Not not these women. You gotta stop.
1: Ooh, Kylie's face right now.
0: (laughs) Kylie's there's something
1: wrong with you, bro. (laughs) You Um, say you um, Bum, just because bum, um, bum, it just means soldier easy. boy, call him out. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Terrible. Um, it did so the the, the reason why I made that face is because even though we have this stance, um I have been seeing a lot of stories lately of black men who are trying to step up to the fatherhood mantle. And because the system is not broken and it is meant to. Destroy and disperse Black people, Black communities, Black families. Some of that, um, some of the legal systems and some of the petty behaviors that we display in the Black community have kept us from growing, honestly, and from providing resources to Black men who also have maybe grown up without fathers in their home. So I know there are Black men out there who are trying. To do good, Black men who are fighting to see their kids, Um, you know, there are men who have been taken advantage of because look, like we are, white supremacy is is really a poisonous and treacherous thing in our community, right, because you will have women who do not have resources, right, and so when they are in a relationship that maybe was not the best because they both went into that relationship, having wounds, having trauma, not knowing how to communicate and talk it out and grow as people together, right? And then you just decide, all right, well, now now I don't care about you emotionally. Now you're a paycheck. Now I'm gonna use you know, the leverage that I have with your child to be malicious in your life, right? When honestly, relationships, personal relationships, you grow together, you bond, they break apart. But as a community, you do have to recognize that you had love for this person. You should still want them to have a good life, right? Um, And that's where it comes into like, we have to learn how to treat each other better. We have to learn how to get over mistakes. And we have to know how to also have a soft forgiving space as well. One that will allow us to grow and heal as a community one that is not just always pitting blame against you know, men versus women, because we do recognize that there are systemic traumas that we're all experiencing these traumas. We all need help, we all need resources. Yep. Um, but I know personally, like I can personally name at least three or four, I think even five men right now who are fighting to see their kids, who are fighting to improve their lives, who are genuinely like going through a lot of growth and making the attempts to be better people um, and to be more solid people. So I don't ever want people to like watch this, especially black men to watch this and think like, oh, well, they just don't love black men. That is not the case. That is not the case at all. Um, I just, I know that we have all had different experiences in even being um, brought up. I came from Almost like a no-parent home, right? (laughs) Um, Just with my parents going through addictions, right? But I had other people that you know stepped up and helped and um, guided me through a lot of these processes. Um, But I don't have children, right? I wasn't in an eleven-year relationship that split apart, and I I can see my own feeling and carings that I still have for my ex, right, and the the type of life that I want him to have. Um, I, but like I said, not having children, I think really changes things. So I really enjoy like hearing your perspective, Tia, on it because, you know, that's an experience that you said you had and this is how you felt. And this is like the lack of support that you, um, that you just had to rise up and the growth I, I'm, I'm sure like from the beginning of that relationship to having a child, to separating, Mm -hmm. to doing that process of like, okay, I am now a mother, how am I going to act and behave and provide a life for my child? Right, um, I don't know what biologically that process is like for men. Um, right. That growing process. I keep hearing like that men, just from the men that I've talked to, that really like that maturity doesn't come until like they're in the forties. Which,
1: yeah, and that's something uh, that is like heartbreaking because I've seen it. I've seen this through like t- your family. <laughs> I've seen this through family, yeah. but even there's like family members that I have who have who refuse knowing knowing where they need to improve, who refuse to acknowledge it because they feel like it's too. They'll use the excuse like it's too far in the past for me to change myself, so why should I change now? Yeah. And that's that's kind of a contrasting fact of what you're talking about, Kylie, because like I am like I guess to connect my experience with it is that I am a child where I grew up seeing a lot of fighting and that and i've seen the the deadbeatness of parents and not only that it was in my household but it was in households that were surrounded by me because i grew up in the projects and so when i see this it's not that it's just a singular household there is a common thing that's going on where there's a sense of enabling with either mothers who are just expecting to scream at their man once they come through the door, or their man who just disappears for months on end because they can't handle it. And they refuse to find yeah. help because they're all enabling each other. And like you said, this is part of the system. This yeah. is part of the system of broken homes. And so yes. as much as I acknowledge that as a as a, as a a whole thing, um, it just sucks that me as somebody who's seen it and wants to change Experienced away from that- it. Yeah, like I, I, I feel at a loss because it's like it's still happening. I still see friends, or maybe even used to be friends. I still see friends doing that, and I still see like you know people who I wanted to be involved with doing that. And then when you see it happen in media with people who are famous, those who are considered successful because of what's been fed into our brains, that's what bugs me because it's like famous hip hop artists, like the baby in our example, like if he's doing that, then those who are less fortunate or who are not as successful, who have the albums and the music and the, and the spice of that type of life, they're going to feel like I'm doing what I'm doing is correct. And so, yeah. And you're correct. I don't want to make this like a whole, like, we hate men, like forum, like trust. Like I have my issues with men, but, At the same time, I am in a relationship with a very wonderful man and he's very kind and how we talk through our relationships. We talked about having kids and we talked about how to resolve our issues and we do not scream at each other. There's never been a moment where we screamed at each other. Yes, there are moments where we disagree on certain things. And then I will tell him like things like, Hey, I don't know what you just said, but I need to process it real quick you know, I need, I need space. Healthy and, then for him, and he's the same way where he's like, Hey, let's really talk this out right now. We're not on the same wavelength. This might be something that we may not be on the same wavelength about, but let's talk through this before. And we don't want to go to bed angry, which is the kind of meme that we're kind of playing with as our, in our relationship. But the go to bed angry thing is not something that we do because like, he comes from a family where they used to fight and scream and all that stuff a bunch too. And he didn't want to re-implement that. And I didn't want to re-implement the harms that I grew up around as well. So instead of screaming at each other, because volume doesn't mean that your word is priority. (laughs) Um, And
2: and your message is coming across any clearer. Like if I didn't understand you the
1: first three times screaming, it, (laughs) like just not going to help yeah find another way so yeah there is like things where generationally we can come to a place where we can be better than what we see but unfortunately like it take it's slow it takes a long time um it and i wish that you know i guess to complete my thought here it's like i want men especially our black men to realize like there are resources for us, for you to tap into your emotions and Mm -hmm. to figure out like how to healthily process things and also how to avoid people who are trying to come after you. And I don't mean like the cops, what I mean is like women that might take advantage of you and then you later screw yourself um so there's also that as well and it sucks that we have to kind of bring that to the table and what I mean by it sucks but we have to say like no this is what surfaces and this is what happens so yeah that's I guess that's just like my my thought on that
0: yeah
2: I think we just need to really like start feeding each other more positive and I don't mean like just pseudo fake happy bull crap. I mean, legitimately feeding each other more positive information about relationships, more positive information about what it means to be a whole human, more positive um, ideas about gender roles um, within the black community, more positive ideas about being a complete person what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a person, what it means to be a human being. We are all having such singular and individual and also such united and similar experiences at the same time, right? So like all of these things, they're, they're very complex and I think a lot of people just don't um, necessarily have the bandwidth to have those conversations all the time. Um, but every once in a while, you need them, right? So like, just be aware that when you're looking at relationships online and when you're looking at the celebrity tabloids or even like the relationships that are around you, just observe um, how people are functioning in them and how you really want to feel yourself in your relationship. Like really, like have that space um,
1: to grow. Yeah. Feed your soul. Chicken noodle soup. <laughs> Right, and pray to Lizzo every so often. Just pray. Right? pray to Lizzo. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Speaking of feeding souls, Miss chicken noodle soup chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup with the okay. Go ahead. With a
2: soda on the side, <laughs> bam <laughs> I remember that whole dance. That was nostalgia right there. Yeah. Uh, no, so today's a nerdy, dirty topic. Uh, we're getting back into the paraphilias. We're getting back into the fetishes. Um, and this one I thought was just like super appropriate for the holidays. So it is a uh, cytophilia, which is the love of food play.
1: Why did you wipe your face like that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: because I don't know about you
0: but I love food I mean I love food too right um and does Prowers love food How I do too. I mean <laughs> who doesn't love food what well, who are these folks I don't know
1: <laughs> I don't know you
0: I don't know you if you don't like food
2: okay hang on we need to pause we need to pause
0: oh, okay Gotcha.
2: Recording in progress, right, we're back. So cytophilia. Um, like, and the thing that I love about this one is that it doesn't have to be um, like overtly sexual. This can just even go into like the love of preparing food for your partner and like the joy that you get, like just making something for them that you know you're like feeding their soul, feeding their body, the nutrients that you're providing for them. Like there is like a joy,
1: Come um, on, baby. Season. Here's this like lime covered hot Cheeto. Open your mouth. <laughs> Open that <laughs> mouth. The gamer's diet. Here,
2: baby, I brought you your Mountain Dew. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: your Red Bull. <laughs> Turns me on when that sperm count is lower. Drink up.
2: <laughs> wow. I was like, here, we'll make it not overtly sexual. And he he's like, nah, we're going all in. <laughs> Turkey, baby. No, but um, it just, uh, it made me think a lot of just um, like first dates and like some of the romantic tropes, right, of like feeding your partner and how that's typically like a sexy sensual, but also like a gentle form of like expressing desire, Mm -hmm. right, as part of like foreplay and including food in that. So what are like, A, I wanna know, what are your thoughts on this? Um, is food play something that you consider part of like the romantic portion of your relationship? Is that something that you expect from your partner? Is that something that you like from your partner? And is it something that you yourself consider? Like, is that really acts of love you know, for you? Preparing food for your partner, or eating with your partner? Is that something that even occupies space in your mind when you're like doing these what some people consider like daily activities, right? Because also I have to take into account that not all of us like live with a partner. So I think that also makes it more of like
1: a taking thing. food from your partner account. <laughs> I wish we had a man on the show. You're <laughs> like,
0: sharing, you're sharing. It's you're funny.
2: sharing because I don't <laughs> mind like I like sharing. Like if I, if I my yeah. partner is like eating off my plate. I'm like, yeah, like you, you are my people. You have to be a special person to eat off my plate. Like
0: that's, but yeah, that's how I feel very close to that. I feel like it's um, one, I think the act of like food prep and sharing food and having, you know, meal making and all of that stuff is an act of like love and gratitude. And, and so it, it, it is something you should, should do with your partner. And like, even with, you know, my friends, sometimes like I have, you know, we have snack snack calls. It's like, let's get our snacks, you know, let's, um, listen, Shubs, shout out to Shubs because we have snacks. Okay. When we do things it snacks as part of it, even though we're not physically in proximity to each other, um, we get our snacks and, and, and that's love, you know, it's like, listen, (laughs) what's your snack going to be? And so I feel like there is a level of like sharing depth, sharing, the, you know, delicacies with each other and especially what those can be, because sometimes it's like, you know, it awakens your senses and stuff. I, I had talked about um, when I went to this dark dining uh, experience, and even though it's not intended to be um It's not intended to be like with your partner. I was with classmates, but the concept erotic, right? Yeah, it felt very like I need to be. I wouldn't want to do this with friends and family again. I'd really want to stimulate these senses in the in the space with someone I'm, you know, intimate with in in that way. And I was like, because yeah, you're kind of. It's the it's very central, and I I tend to think of um I forget the is it Naked Gun, uh, with Leslie Nielsen or there's a scene when they're like they're feeding, it's supposed to be like sexy feeding each other. And then they just start like pouring gravy on each other. It's like a, a parody of one of those scenes in a movie that's supposed to be like, Oh, this is so, you know, this, this uh, feeding is uh, sexy. And then they start like, it's just gets, you know, ridiculously gross sloppy, sloppy, like, <laughs> slapping each other with sushi rolls. And it's just like, what in the world? Um, and so it makes me laugh that, that one, (laughs) if you have never seen Naked Gun, uh, it is funny with that scene of like the feeding scene. I can't think of the name of the actress who's in it. I think it's Naked Gun two and a half, uh, the smell of fear, but it's like, yeah. Putting lobster like in your ear and like, (laughs) And where does it get to the point where it's like, okay, this is, they were trying to say how absurd the portrayals and the right in the on and movies and stuff I mean
2: sometimes they are like you I there's always like the scene of like feeding each other like chocolate covered strawberries and it's just very like over the top
0: yeah that can be sexy marshmallows and all roasting and all of that kind of stuff but then it's like when you see just goos of like gravy boats and sauces just on people you're like maybe that's not exactly the
2: bring me those mashed potatoes <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: on my face yeah I don't
1: know. um for me i love making food for people in general um, Kylie can attest to this because every time she'd come over, like, Hey, do you want to get food or Hey, I'm going to make something. Do you want to eat some of this? Um, yeah. and yes, I do. <laughs> it's a, it's always, it's always like a bonding experience where it's like, we can, I can cook something and then present it to a friend. And it's not like I'm doing it because they have to eat. It's just more so like, Hey, are you hungry? I'd love to prepare something. It's something to show that I care. Um, I love cooking for cash. Um, because a, he is very like, he loves when I cook. Um, he's, he's very like, I really like the things that you prepare. Um, no. and like, I don't know. I never took it as like hypersexual, but I do receive a sense of like accomplishment every time I do it. So it's not like I'm a stepford wife. Like I have to cook for my man. No. Cause sometimes he cooks too. Um, but it's just more so like i think cooking as therapy because it shuts my brain off a certain type of way where i can focus exclusively on what i'm doing with this and then i'm able to kind of like use it as a form of like i'm working on something instead of like focusing on other things that are happening in my day and then once i give the food away to whoever is going to receive it then i get a sense of accomplishment like yeah i was able to kind of Quiet my brain for a second. And so that's kind of my weird take. I'm not really into the feeding a partner in your bed type of thing <laughs> or putting whipped cream on somebody's nipples and licking yeah. it off. Like that's not something that's how you get ants. <laughs> nope. No, thanks. I also believe that like sometimes I'm like scared to perform certain actions after eating like i'm a I, i'm a person that wants to make sure I brush my teeth or it's been a cup like an hour or so after I'm done because I don't want to make anything gross or kiss onion breath like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah I think I get a sense of like accomplishment and therapy when I when I cook for other people I think that's my whole thing um yeah but yeah not really sensual not really sexual the dark eating though is Th- that you're talking about prior. So I do want to like check that out and go to a place where it's like a dark setting and eat. But the last time I did that, it was a Brazilian steakhouse and it felt really weird. So I think I want to feel oh. mentally prepared before going to those places. Where it's yeah, you, just, you, weren't, you weren't ready.
2: You just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, well, so like we talked about like from the perspective of like actually preparing and like serving food, but Do you think that you feel like extra cared for
1: when you are being fed? I don't like it actually. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it when it's like, if it's like, Hey, here, try this thing that I'm making. I that's fine. But I don't like sitting there like where someone's like spoon feeding me. I, I, I kind of don't like that. Also cash has made it clear that he hates that too. So we're, we're good.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had the pleasure of doing it. Like, I don't know if it the whole idea kind of weirds me out in a post pandemic world, though, I will say, I probably wouldn't have ever thought anything bad about it. But then I'm like, you know what your germs keep your germs where your germs are <laughs> there's something the idea about like I'm going to take my glass you're going to take yours and we're going to exchange them and then I'm going the whole idea creeps me out at this point in my life but I don't know if I would have been up to it for before this and that doesn't mean no you know no way does not increase risk or anything it's just the idea for me it's like the concept is just there of like you know what I don't want to drink after anyone um, I don't drink after my child I don't. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, to start it now. And I was always like the person that when my mother would drink after me, I would, it would just like keep it. You know, my mother's like, I'm your mother. <laughs> I don't care. I just don't like people's mixing of liquid. So if I could imagine that I'm probably not the type but I would think that there's some experience, like I would, I would want to have an experience that I could try that. So like I carefully curated for like things I like, you know, like, you know, a certain thing like that I really enjoy, and that someone fed it to me. Um, I don't know if I would. That might make a difference, you know.
2: Ooh, I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like it really is like an expression of intimacy. I I definitely feel like it's not like a every day, 24-7, I would not want you to spoon-feed me. Like, yeah, that would be annoying. Um, but, like, I don't know, like, every once in a while, special occasion, a scoop of ice cream, like, a spoonful of dessert here or there, like, I think really just heightens the mood and sweet. So that's our uplift. That's our nerdy and dirty. Thank you. We all did great. I feel like yes. we're feeling good. Our heart space is good. We're feeling happy. Can't-
0: Yes. Can I, can I say this really quickly because this is just brand news and I just, it's just on a uh, sad, um, but I just heard that, uh, Virgil Abloh passed away, um, after a private cancer battle with, um, prostate cancer. We've just lost Chadwick, um, just a year ago from the same, um, same disease. And it's just sort of like, I feel like there's a, resiliency you know these men are dealing with but having to navigate all of that in complete silence and working all the way to the there's something with that and so anyway it's something we can bring to the table probably have a conversation about later but just how saddened. Uh, for people that don't know he was the creative designer for LVMH uh, in Louis Vuitton and then the off-white brand which was like his own brand but uh, oh my gosh it's what a What a tragic thing to fight by yourself. So anyway, I hate to bring the sad news, but I I just heard that news in the um, on CNN just now. I'm just like, wow, he was only 41. So
1: he worked on a few Kanye West album album uh, covers as well as um, ASAP Rocky, Long Live ASAP, and also um, Uzi Vert tape album. Yeah.
0: Before he joined Louis Vuitton in, in 2018, and he helped, he he's like led a whole hallmark of luxury brands. But LVMH and Louis Vuitton, I mean, he really elevated it during a time when it was kind of failing a little bit. Um, so he was a you know visionary and certainly a genius designer. It's really sad to battle a disease in private, and you know at the same time, right? You want to respect people's decision to do that, but oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, this is something I would definitely want to talk about for sure next time because the The way that Black men, I've noticed, have had to hide their, and and maybe not so much hide, but to keep on the down low what they're going through Mm
0: -hmm. speaks
1: volumes for what we were kind of sort of addressing earlier. Like, it's not the same genre, but it's very similar to black men hiding what they're going through and dealing with it in silence can, it's definitely in a way admirable, but at the same time, like it sucks. That it has to be like kept secret. Um, so that's yeah. just something. Cause like, I think about Chadwick when he, when he came out with a video and the, the response that people gave him was awful. Um, yeah. and that's something that I don't blame him for staying out of out of the camera for a while before yeah. he finally, before he finally passed. So that's something that I I wanna definitely brush up on. If we wanna continue the conversation, maybe we should have somebody on on the show with us to help kind of, you know, guide that conversation too. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Um, I can see that he was a wonderful artist. I, w- I just like looked up a few of his things. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize he did that. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I love seeing men who have beautiful artistic minds like that. It's wonderful. Um, So, kind of moving along. Kind of moving along. Moving along. Um, (laughs) Nerdcore going cray cray again uh, with the (laughs) nonsense. And I'm, I we really need to make sure that if there's a person representing nerdcore, it's not the nonsense because I'm tired of hearing this particular person's name like resurface every quarter of the season.
0: But let's talk it's a about a
1: tactic I feel like almost at this point like just
2: to just be a negative shenanigans so that you can get your name out there more which
1: is just like wow but there's so many apologists for this person that they get off the hook. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Didn't mean it. It's like if you're a front-facing person in nerdcore who has over maybe 10,000 followers, you need to watch your freaking mouth for real. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So you said you got to get some people messed up in the streets, right? You're, you're a public figure and your, your voice and your, your actions are there's responsibility there and accountability there. And if you're going to misuse and abuse that power, then you shouldn't have it. Um, And it's time to call it, you know, call, call it out at the same time to be able to say, you know what, no, that's not acceptable you will be just the same way that you are celebrated, you will be regulated.
1: Uh, celebrated <laughs> and regulated is correct. Yeah. yeah, so this is something that we kind of want to dive a little bit deeper about. I don't want to give this person any airtime on here because they don't really deserve it. It's not the platform for them. And mm-hmm. um, and they're also not a lady blurred. <laughs> so, yep. um, But we do want to address the implications of cultural appreciation versus appropriation. Um, what are things that you do to appreciate a culture, but but also what are things that you're doing incorrectly to appropriate a culture for your own profit gain um, and also leaving those who are more deserving out? Like, I think this is something that needs to be addressed um, because we see it all the time. Um, so nerdcore, for those who are new here, nerdcore, hardcore, nerdcore hip hop, how it all became its own like genre it's fine um nerdcore used to be such a like singular thing for a long time and now it's turned into all its different like genres of like whatever so there's the Nerdcore rappers who lightly touch on like nerdy elements in their music. There's some Nerdcore artists who are chip tune artists, which is great. There is also Nerdcore artists who are YouTube anime artists. And so it's really crazy how things have kind of expanded. And it's just natural how music does that, where jazz used to be one thing and now jazz is a bunch of different things.
0: Right.
1: So, but the thing is, Nerdcore came from an art form, which is hip-hop and rap
0: yeah
1: and hip-hop and rap is an art form that came from the black community no matter how many different ways you want to remix that i don't care came from black people point blank exactly. um so in particular there's been incidences of kind of dressing the garb to fit into hip-hop which we've seen before with a lot of like hip hop artists where they wanna dress gangster to fit the genre or they wanna do a spoof on being gangster to fit the genre or they talk a certain way to fit the genre even though they're not from the block of the genre. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't get me wrong. It's not like we're trying to hoard hip hop as our own. Like I'm not a rap artist. I am an artist and I do play jazz. Prowess is a hip hop artist right um kylie is not a hip-hop artist but she does poetry which is a basically an evolution into hip-hop so the thing is um and please interject whenever you guys are ready it's like please respect where what you're using to profit off of it like if if you're like oh hip-hop sounds great i want to start trying that and you like get a knack for it as a kid and it's like okay great i'm doing a thing remember where the roots of that genre that you're using like respect it. Like if you learn jazz, like don't sit there saying that not all black people know how to play jazz. That's not true. I've heard a a very famous drummer tell that to tell, to tell that to the universe saying that I can play better than black people. Great. But remember the art came from black people. So why are you going on this tirade saying that you play better than black people? What is the insecurity coming from that? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Go ahead, Tia. Sorry. No, I completely agree with that. I think it's the when you subordinate in any way, shape, or form the culture that created and and built and, and manifested something, right? It's like you're not being respectful of the culture. And I think people forget that music, while it's music, hip hop is a culture. There's a music is one of the elements of that culture. There's also dance, there is fashion, there is aesthetics, there's all the other things that are within that. So it's sort of like people forget, they think the music is just, um, they forget the nuances of all the different parts of the culture that you're, you know, having a healthy relationship. So being able to be imperial by subordinating groups or, or different things of the culture by saying, oh, I can do something better. Or you're, if you're creating sort of creating this uh, exotification of you know, aesthetics or anything like that. It's like, if you're not celebrating those things, then you are being imperialistic towards it. And not everything is, has to be, people saw something on TV and they say, I want to duplicate that. Or they saw somebody that they saw, you know, on the, on YouTube or whatever, doing something. and not everything is intended for you to copy it. You know what I mean? Some things are just, should be exalted just as they are. And I think a lot of people want to say, I want to do that, but then want to remove it from being something that, you know, when I think the important word is always black people created. It's not people of color. It's not BIPOC. It's not black people created, you know, hip hop. And so it is a black art form. And so treating it and being able, if you can't even acknowledge that, it isn't an Asian art form. It isn't, a, there's Black and Lat- Latinos created it. So if you're gonna accept that, right? What is your, how do, how do you exalt Black and Latinx people? I think in, as you're doing this art form is important. And that's where I get the, the discomfort because a lot of the times a nerdcore, it separates the, there's a, a, an act of sort of suppressing Blackness in the encoding blackness as people of color or you know marginalized people. And it's like, no, but there's a lot of black artists who have, you know, there's been people who have confessed in, in recent days, you know, in the midst of all of this sort of this outcry or whatever, that they almost were at the point of like quitting doing this art that they created and that they own and that they have a birthright to because of the community suppressing them feeling broken not feeling like they have um a way you know uh an outlet or a vehicle to do their music and which is just like that that can't happen and so yeah
2: I think also as well um anytime that you have a culture you have historical context
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um and you have roots and part of not being someone who is a cultural vulture is actually putting in the time and the energy to finding out what the root is to whatever aesthetic thing that initially drew your eye or whatever particular sound initially drew your ear. Whatever it was that you felt attracted to, um, know that there is typically, like it had to come from somewhere. Um, So whatever that root is, whatever that feeling is that it gives you, know that it came from people, actual people, individuals who came together to sometimes purposefully create this feeling because a lot of these art forms, you know, originated in passing along stories, history, passing along ways of thinking, philosophies, right? It goes deep, it is part of your personal identity. Um, as a people so if there's something that you look at and say oh that is beautiful and you recognize that the thing that is beautiful is part of a personal identification like as people that's how we recognize and connect with one another know that that is a sacred space right and if you want a piece of that sacred space that feeling um, that is not something that you were born into necessarily that it is now um a responsibility if you are going to then emulate that take whatever that image is or that feeling is or that process is if that is hit you and it's aligning with you so much and like some people will literally just see something and be like oh like that just looks cool or I could profit off of it right yep if if and here's where it becomes um I think a real line a hard line the profit that you make, if that does not go back into serving the community whose ideas and identity you have taken it from, if, it, if the profit is not venerating that imagery and further pushing along that specific imagery, if you are taking then specific pieces and now saying, oh, if I put it on this person, now it's profitable. If you are, like you said, erasing black faces, erasing faces of indigenous people to make something more marketable to make something more palatable um and to not recognize the roots then yeah are so well you're doing yeah. wrong the yeah. ancestors are not happy yeah yeah honestly like the really that i think that's what it is because like this is something that i said sit with because i did grow up um, I spent a large chunk of my childhood in Hawaii. My family has generational connections in Hawaii, um, you know, but like, I don't speak Hawaiian regularly. I don't speak like O'lelu regularly, um, like in my everyday, um, there are some spiritual practices that I do have and implement. Um, but again, it's an educational thing because that was introduced to me as a child and it's, um, something that I was invested in and that like, I have family who are around who are natives to that land, who are working the land, who are doing things for their communities. Um, Like you don't see me out at the club dancing hula. Because hula is sacred. Because there was a point in time where hula, that dance, which is used to pass along education, to pass along stories, to pass along so much just so much encapsulation of like identity communication community um and even in like um physical fitness and regimen in how their um military uh power is expressed the training that they go through like all there's all of these things that are tied into hula specifically and into the hawaiian language specifically and they were banned because this is what you do right when colonizers come into a space. They try to erase your history. They yeah. try to erase your base of power. Yeah. Um, and so for a long time, these things were illegal. People were risking their lives to keep these traditions alive, to keep these identities alive. And so to take something for a costume that someone has literally died over, um, I don't think people understand like the root and the pain um, of Indigenous peoples and of Black peoples when someone takes something that is like a culture thing. So to, a hairstyle, for instance, so someone, people would be willing to like go out and fight you over it. People, because people have died <laughs> Let's talk about that.
1: the ban- two knots Adele. <laughs> ban-
2: two knots Adele. Like people are, are ready and willing to step up and be like, you know, the reason for this hairstyle or the history behind this hairstyle was because people were being taken from a land on it and taken and sold into slavery. And they had to provide for themselves and to survive. So this is not um, a look. Yeah. It's not to look cute. Yep. Um, these are identifiers that have meaning in our culture. Uh, they, it means something Yes. deep. And so if you don't understand what that meaning is, then you're not here for You're not for the culture, you're not here to appreciate if you can't take the time to understand what it is that you're even seeing, what you're looking at, then you're not for the culture and you're not for the people and you're just another colonizing person who is out to make a profit and for what? Like, honestly, I think, um, I don't know if it's just an American thing. I am in America. I haven't really spent too much time outside of this country and to observe how cultures are mixed uh, in other areas, but I know here, race is such a strange issue. Culture is such a strange issue. I feel like a lot of um, Americans, they'll say like, oh, it's like American culture, right? But it's like, if you don't know what your own lineage is, if you don't know what your own personal cultures are, you start looking to adopt just some of the things that you see around you. And I think we have a, the system is built for a reason, it's not broken. This dismissal and stripping of people's cultural identities to fit into an American identity. Um, I
0: think
1: there's also a combination, what you're just, you just actually nailed it on the head, is that there's a rejection of own culture based off of, like, this huge melting pot that we have here in the United States. Like, whereas if you go to somewhere like Japan, or if you go to somewhere like maybe, um, Ghana, right. It's so prominently present that it's like, this is kind of what it, what it is to be of this culture. So there isn't any distraction to try to adapt to something else. Whereas in, in the United States, because there's people immigrating from different corners of the world that, Be and that these folks who usually are the first generation of like immigrants, they don't want to claim their own culture because of something that they were trying to get out of. And so with the anti like culture of their own. I I know there's a better term for it, but like just being not about their own culture, they come here trying to be Americanized, which is prominently white. And then when they have children, their children are trying to figure out what is my identity. Some kids do a good job and some parents can't leave their own culture because of little mannerisms and things that they just can't get away with or get away from. But you know, the kids who are feeling the most separated and usually are like, you know, mixed kids. And I'm not talking about black kids. I'm talking about like, you know, maybe Asian and white kids and or maybe even Mexican and Filipino kids, like any child, right? They're trying to figure out like, well, my culture seems a little bit off because my parents are rejecting it. So I'm going to try to adopt something that looks cool. And mm-hmm. most commonly, the one that looks cool is black culture, because it's the, been the one that is kind of like, my, my boyfriend calls it the beta test, but it's basically the test of like what is cool and what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's something that I have noticed. And so that's why there's a lot of appropriation because people forget like, oh, it looks cool now belongs to me, but now there's zero respect or regard for the black community once it's claimed as part of your whole personality. And so that's something that I've noticed um, because like, I have a friend who whose father who, who is Filipino and he joined the military and tried to be all hoorah with the guys. And like he pretends he's not Filipino, even though he obviously looks like he's Filipino and has a Filipino wife. And so it's just really weird that like he has to try to figure out what his identity is and navigate that without the disappointment from his parents. So that's something to yeah. explore as well. I
2: I also think that um, there's a lot of things about black culture that don't necessarily require money. So if you think about what the American dream is, um, it's, you know, we're basing it off capitalism. So if you're, if you are like, historical context for being like white in America is that you have all these luxurious things right you you go to equestrian centers you go to country clubs and you're doing this that the other if all of these things are gate kept by an access of money and then you see a culture like black culture where because we um were constantly consistently denied access to a lot of these things not on all levels there's definitely wealthy um, Black individuals, but I think just as a community as a whole, we recognize that the system has been built and rigged against us. And even though we have built pockets of wealth, they have systematically been targeted. So we are constantly and consistently re- rebuilding, right? Um, and rebranding and doing all of these things. But there's aspects to Black culture that don't require you to have money to access it. Hairstyles, mm-hmm. um, even um, streetwear, right? hip-hop music, you don't necessarily, like, yeah, we're glamorizing the cars, the chains, the money, all this and that, but there's a lot of it, underground hip-hop, that doesn't place an importance necessarily on how costly your outfit may necessarily be, as long as it looks fly, looks cool, like, it looks like you have put your own personal flavor, this own spin on it, Uh right, and then Black... Black people are really good at just spinning something out of nothing, right? You got, you got all of these things um, that become cultural, um, that become precious culturally, that again, don't necessarily require money to achieve. So, and then there's other things about us that definitely do require money to achieve and people are still willing to pay. People are still getting the lip jobs, the VBLs, you know, the BBLs, you know there's, there's all these other things or just like right. getting your hair permed or you're, you're getting the extensions, you're copying all of these other things that maybe even came out of uh, survival mechanisms for us dealing with Eurocentrism and, and all, the, all of these other issues where those are even more nuanced conversations where you're like, hey, Black people are only doing this because literally if they didn't, they were targeted and killed, so it's like knowing the history of things or hair is hair and style is a huge 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 conversation right because yeah their it's status symbols. Uh,
0: yeah it's, it's the idea that people don't recognize the, the the aesthetic ability of being able to like you know this historical and systemic trauma tied to those things tied, like you said the hair. And that what is seen by Kylie Jenner is like, this is just a dope hairstyle. It's like, for us, this is not only a way for traditional African hairstyles meant to protect our hair, but also that we are discriminated against when, when you wear your hair in a, you know, in a natural texture. And so there's so there was, you know, the, the trauma around women getting all kinds of illnesses and sicknesses from perming their hair and straightening it and getting hurt and all of these other kinds of things that happen to, you know, achieve this, this Eurocentric beauty standard uh, with our hair. And so it's like, but Kylie, you don't understand. No one's saying that you can't wear your hair in Bantu knots. We're just saying that when we, we can't wear our hair in Bantu knots without the gaze of, you know, the social implications of us wearing our hair in that way. And the historical trauma around, like, this is, this is a tribal hairstyle. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that is always, I feel like. Tribal hairstyles,
1: survival hairstyles. Like, I'm sure we all saw the video of, like, the parents who were like, or the mom that was, like, the reason why we had to braid our hair this way is because we had to sneak food in there. Yeah. Sneak food and, like, be able to travel from place to place and try to survive out of being oppressed or murdered. Like it's it's such a huge thing and rap and hip-hop like if we were to like kind of circle around to this like rap and hip-hop came from trying to like pass the time and try to do like hymnals and songs while like folks were in slavery and also stems from tribal traditions maybe back in Africa that I can't say or claim because a lot of that history was lost
0: Exactly.
1: And, and so when you try to create entertainment from a from a horrible standpoint, it's beautiful because like, you're trying to blossom out of that and trying to find ways to find the light in a dark place. And that's something that like, when artists try to take things, cultural things from us, it's like, it's not that you're taking cultural things from us because it was simple for us. It's because it's been generationally developed. Mm -hmm. And so So like these are like the aspects that we need to make sure that we that if you're going to take an art from you have to stand for it, especially now, like in a current day context, maybe you don't know all the history, maybe as a white rapper, that's okay. But the moment that you start seeing Black Lives Matter, it's important for you to show up and also give space for people to have opportunities. And that's like the biggest thing that folks forget, like where they're like, well, I'm trying to d- d- get mine. It's like, you can get yours, but like you can't sit there and ignore and pretend that Black lives do not matter when they actually do. And you're part of the reason why your success stems from Black success. And so you need to show up when it, it yeah. needs to matter, when it always matters.
0: That that in a nutshell <laughs> this portion i could just like put on a put on a reel and just say this yeah
1: yeah that football game you love all those linebackers back- are black show up for them those nba players show up for them that streetwear, those long ass jerseys that go past your knees show up for the designer show up for them you know, incarcerated black men for marijuana charges, show up for them. I'm tired of the Seth Rogan bullshit where he's com- creating a company, making it look all wholesome and shit. Free my cousins that are in jail, for yeah. real. Show yeah. up for those people that you're making profit out of how they had to survive. Exactly. Like, that's the and thing literally,
2: that- literally, literally. Literally, if you have to sweep aside a population so that you can take what they were using from the jump, natural medicine, indigenous medicines—if you have to eradicate a population so that you can come in and you can profit off of those ideas and those foundations, honey, boo boo, you still a colonizer. Colonization still happening today. Yeah. Still okay. Colonizer. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's all we're asking really. It's like, we just need people to show up, pretend it, like, that's the thing. It's like, people forget that it exists because it's in their own benefit. And that's that when things are getting rough, you have to show up or make the space. Like that's that's, that's just point blank. Anyway, we do need to wrap up uh, our conversation today. I really do appreciate everybody's time today on our podcast. Thank you for listening to our Heavy Topics post- It was, it was a heavy topic.
0: (laughs) It was heavy
1: um a couple of things so for big move monday we want to um shout out to wordsmith philly a uh, yes! childhood friend hopefully soon friend of the show we don't know yes he <laughs> came
2: through with the book so definitely um we are
1: looking forward to a future episode yeah. yeah yeah so he um create he just published a book so wordsmith philly is a uh local to the monterey area um poet also, dancer. Um, I he we both kind of grew up in the same area in Seaside. Um, so, like he told me, like, oh yeah, I met you in the computer center. Computer center is a heavy word from my place because we all used to hang out in that computer center. And I know which little boys were watching porn, and I know which little boys were playing Newgrounds, and I know which little boys who were <laughs> watching anime. So it's all good, but. He, he was like one of the folks and like, we didn't go to the same schools, but like we always saw each other around. So like, he's always been wholesome, great um, kid in general. And so now growing up and now that we're in our thirties, he does a lot of dancing and like, you know, just kind of like doing his thing, but he wrote a book called Voices of the Fallen. Um, so if you guys want to go support, um, his book of poetry, you can buy it off read or greenbooks.com under the winter poets collection. Or if you want to do the homie hookup, go find him on Zell uh, so, or Venmo. So I, it, I just ordered my book. I, I actually asked him to drop it off with Kylie. <laughs> he
2: came through on Thanksgiving.
1: It was. blessing,
2: Blessings. Oh, blessings. Oh, blessings.
1: <laughs> so yeah, he, the the voices of the fallen are pretty like basic, basically po- poems. Um, that talk about the Black experience from, like, slavery, the impressions on slavery to, like, current day. So anybody who wants to go check it out, please do. He's a wonderful poet. Um, Other things to um, call to action is, hey, we just had Thanksgiving. You do not need that fast food. You don't need to go to McDonald's. You don't need to go to Wendy's. You don't need to go forget about that late night craving just go fast it off and start over in the morning the reason why i'm saying that is because fast food workers are unionizing and they are we're not unionizing that's a strong word but they're getting together and they're trying to strike for 25 dollars an hour Um, because no one wants to work anymore. Conditions are harsh from people to standing up all day to just like putting on a face for like multiple hours at a time. And so I vouch for them because the reason why I kind of stopped eating fast food is because of how people were being treated. Um, And so that, I mean, sure. And also to get healthy, but also I do sometimes miss those Crunchwrap Supremes. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but but no, but for real, like folks are, are like rioting and they are like, we are not going to work unless we get $25 an hour, a livable wage, a wage to hopefully get an apartment or even like pay off some bills. Like it's, this whole 17 hour or $15 an hour nonsense, it's not realistic to live anymore. And so that's why people are trying to up the ante and actually, you know, like vouch for their lives. And me seeing fast food restaurants post up, no one wants to work anymore. It's a beautiful song to me because people are sick of the shit. And so.
0: It is the greatest part of our, of being, I feel like an American citizen Where it's like, this is where it counts when organizations are seeing the fact that their workforce reducing at at these kinds of numbers and they don't make change and try to, you know, this is an impact for them. So what are you going to do? Domino's Pizza to Chipotle. Like you have now is the time. It's not just, you're not being understaffed for no reason. There's a reason.
1: Yeah. It, and service it, workers but, are valuable and people forget that just because you are a service worker or you are serving people on an hourly minute, minute basis. in these jobs that are food, retail, you name it, they're not slaves. They are people who are who need a job who need to get their things paid and they're doing their best every single day and people forget about that which is why i'm anti like black friday i refuse to walk into a store on black friday because of the nonsense that other people c- create In revolt against people who are just trying to work They don't represent the companies they work for they are just merely a person to help keep the functions running and people realize that and that's why no one wants to work anymore so like Customers need to stop being entitled, treat people with respect. Companies need to realize the value of their mass employees and actually pay them a livable wage, get them their 401k, 403B, whatever, and also get them proper medical care. Stop having people walk work at Walmart who still need food stamps. That is a failure of the system right there.
0: Absolutely.
1: Committing a nine to nine plus to six nine nine to sevens and they still need food stamps get you out of here that so that's why no one wants to work you anymore excuse me you, i vouch for these folks no
0: maternity leave when you're working and out in those situations or ha- yeah change has to happen
1: that's maternity leave being at 60 percent of your pay excuse me when you need the money the most i will pass excuse me no for real like that's just uh, anyway sorry Kylie's face <laughs> no no,
2: because it's like um, I was thinking about this like, again now that we're of the age we're like adults now full, full grown right we have to consider not only um, the lives that we live for ourselves and being able to sustain and provide for our own needs but communities and like literally this idea of um, what it means to live in a community, to live in a country, to have life parameters dictated to you, right? Because we are all living within a social system, a social construct, Um, and then seeing the values of that construct. And I think collectively, we are all seeing that the system that we have in place does not care about you. Does not care if you live or die. Yep, really. And if they do care about you living, it is so that you can keep making money. They don't care about the health. Like a lot of these implements <laughs> that I'm seeing in workplaces where it's like, oh, we're trying to make this a more comfortable work environment. But it's just like, are you really? Or was it just that you have a small portion of like highly trained people and the Work that they're doing is so grueling because there is just a small portion of them that it is less costly for you to actually provide them ergonomic chairs and provide them all of these things because then they will get be getting sick less often, then they'll be getting injured less often. Now you're bringing in a massage therapists and you're bringing in um, psychologists and you're bringing in just a few other like niche specialized people just to make sure that the grind can continue. Right. And I think we really need to break out of this grind mindset that we all have of just you wake up, you work, you go to bed, you wake up, you work, you go to bed and you wake up and you work and you go to bed and you wake up and you work and you go to bed and you do these things um, to buy used to be the nicest things. Now it's like, literally, we're just arriving. We're just trying to keep There's the heat on in the house. You're, and in places like Texas, where clearly the system do not give a single solitary,
1: they'll just let you freeze.
2: They're like, oh, well, it's a public market.
1: But those who are privileged government. can run away to Cancun. Am I right? Am I right? right. Let me take my family right. to Cancun. Right. Right. Am I right? You I can escape because I got all this money. Me.
0: And then they're like, and then they want to complain about welfare while people. I was in Cancun, and now i am come back.
2: <laughs> and it's like we do <laughs> pay taxes. <a> <laughs> we pay lots and lots of taxes for things to be done to take care of our people, our communities, ourselves. Like it boggles my mind that it's illegal for someone who, even if they have the skills to go out and fix a pothole, like, do you know how easy it is to go out and fix a pothole? You can get everything that you need, at Home Depot to go out and fix a pothole. However, if you get caught fixing that pothole, like the fines and the fees are exorbitant. And the process that you have to go through to get that pothole fixed and paid for by the
1: city, which again like,
0: no, I, I feel it. like
1: I feel like the city of San Jose or whatever that whatever the highways are owned by, like every time I'm driving my car, I'm like, mm this is where my money is going, yeah, is through the repairs. Or lack thereof, and I'm like, there's
2: so many jobs. Like, why why is it so hard for you guys to just put the money yeah. in, back into safety and put the money back into the community? How about you have this-
1: CHP actually right. chase after people who are poorly like binding their trucks so that way there is less shit on the highway? I had to avoid a, a ladder a few highways ago a fucking ladder there was a ladder in the middle of the road and i had to like luckily there wasn't a lot of cars in the road but like i had to like break move around it and then go and i'm like what how did a lot la- who fucked up so bad that there was a ladder in the middle of the road for real anyway well, okay I'm kind of stemming away from like no one wants to work anymore but i support the strike please keep doing the do- doing the yeah. thing people deserve better and also companies will learn if enough people quit that they'll start making changes
0: exactly Hit them or your
1: company will just go under and find a new one goodbye Exactly. You said good day to you sir I also want to empower people like you can find another job like I mean it, it circles around from the beginning you can find another one there are resources for you to revamp that resume it doesn't matter if you graduated from high school or not you can get another job just yeah. remember that um, all right. So thanks again for listening to <laughs> Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. Don't mean to put it on a, on a weird and note, <laughs> um, but we just want to make sure that you guys feel uplifted at the end of the show. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, any favorite podcast app. Uh, the one that has the videos, the YouTube one, obviously, and the one that is just audio is SoundCloud and um, Apple Pods and Spotify. Uh, for those who gave us music for the show, shout out to The Rap Nerd, as well as Mark Cooper and DJ Tyoken. Uh They keep us uplifted within the show. And of course, if you guys have any questions, you could always email us at don'tcastndrive at gmail.com. And I think that's it for the show. We'll see you guys next time.